Namaste. So we read today two prayers, one very small, but uh, that small prayer with just about a sentence or two is like it gives us the secret of living. And the second one which follows is the great art of life. So we come straight to the prayer without any background and we'll see how powerful it is. Uh, this is a prayer dated March 13th, 1913. One three three one three. If you have to put it in Indian way. <clears throat> so it is a single sentence, but very powerful. It's a meditation. Let the pure perfume of sanctification burn always. Rising higher and higher and straighter and straighter like the ceaseless prayer of the integral being desiring to unite with thee so as to manifest thee. It's a complete program in one single sentence. First of all, we go to temples, we have a tradition of lighting perfumes. So what really is this perfume? Perfume is symbolic of the perfume which sanctifies everything. When you, you know, we do this and then put the perfume. So this perfume is the aspiration. And this perfume that comes from the soul, the fragrance that comes from the soul, it is the essence. And see, it is very interesting, the mother is using the word perfume. Uh, there is a very interesting writing of Sri written at the age of 18. And it's amazing. It's a play called The Harmony of Virtues. And Shurabindu gives a very beautiful example of these three layers of a being. So, where does the spirit of beauty come from? One is you have the form. He gives the example of a flower. He means there is one of the characters. There are three characters. So, one of them gives the example of, he gives the example of flower. So, flower, there is a form. So form is the outer being. And then if you look at a flower, it is not just a form, it has color and the sense of beauty which comes from the form and the color. But what marks a flower is the fragrance, which is right deep hid inside its core. Fragrance comes from there actually. It is the essence of a flower. That's why when we people sell no essence of flower, flower essence. What is it? It's not color. It's not the form, but the essence of flower is the fragrance. So this fragrance comes from the soul. And she's saying this touch of the soul, which takes everything upward. So there is a whole program that everything that all the movements of a life must receive this touch. And receiving its touch, they must rise higher and higher to unite with the divine. Is union with the divine the end? No. Unite with the divine so as to manifest the divine. So there is a threefold movement. First is where all our nature, all tendencies, all movements, everything in short, all that we sense here, everything, thoughts, feelings, they are uplifted. How they are uplifted? With the help of the soul, pure perfume. So it makes, sanctifies it. It means it purifies it. Like you have, you know, holy water, people sprinkle and now it's purified. So the touch of the soul purifies it. And by purifying it, it uplifts it. So this is the second movement. One is the 
uh, things as they are, then is the upliftment. Then they should be lifted up till they unite with the divine essence. And when they unite with the divine essence, then the third movement is the return to earth and the manifestation. So it's a complete program just in one sentence. March 13th, 1913. Let the pure perfume of sanctification burn always rising higher and higher and straighter and straighter without deviating it into the channels dictated by desires, dictated by mental um, views and opinions. Like the ceaseless prayer of the integral being, whole being, not just the soul, everything within us is aspiring, desiring to unite with thee so as to manifest thee. So it is literally all activities of the being, that's what makes our integrality, is being uplifted by the touch of the soul. The pure perfume comes from there. It sanctifies it, raises it up in an aspiration for union, that every activity must discover its source, and then it must come back and manifest upon earth. So this is a perfect program. And then we have the very next prayer, May 11th, 1913. So this prayer is about what we, again, as we know, there are different stages of uh, uh, yoga. So this is a stage when we, we must have found that when we are too busy with work, we tend to forget. So people ask that, what should we do so that we don't forget? Now there is a middle stage. If we skip it, it doesn't work. So what is that middle stage? Time to time, we must find time to withdraw ourselves. And sit quietly and in quietude try to attain the union with the divine. That's what even in previous prayer Mother has said that union with the divine comes through contemplation. And work is the process by which there is a purification which takes place. We begin to become aware of the different elements, those which refuse, those that resist, those that are open. So this work is a means by which our nature becomes more supple. And therefore, when we sit for meditation and contemplation, it becomes easy. So there are often people who want to know only about meditation and contemplation. It doesn't work like that. So they are two simultaneous things, or rather two set of things. Work, the attitude we have towards it. Now when we have a certain attitude towards work, it may help us to meditate and quietly contemplate. And when we contemplate, we have the union which is realized. Then when we go back to work, this union helps us further. It makes our elements of nature more supple. Now here she reveals a very profound truth. And Sri says that, that for yoga, one has to take out some time. That's why you see ashram life is organized in a very interesting way. Sometimes we lose this profound truth. Uh, have you ever imagined that why most of the departments close by 5 o'clock? It's not a peak time. I mean, peak time starts after that. But we start early and close early. So the reason for this is this, that after that closing time, you have three, four hours with you. For what? I mean, work is to be done in the spirit of work. But you have time with you which you can spend in reading, contemplation, going within and of course physical exercise. So you have good amount of time, three, four hours at least which you can we can use for these activities. But sometime when we take it that, no, no, we have to be a whole day working, then we are missing upon something very important. That's what she is pointing out. May 11, 1913, 
as soon as i have no longer any material responsibilities all thoughts about these things flee far away from me just to achieve this state is a whole yoga people when they don't have material responsibilities they are thinking about those things still what will happen in my absence what must be happening is so and so doing it properly or not doing it properly you are constantly thinking of that but she is showing us a way that when obviously we'll have some material work given to us whether in house office anywhere that time we must pay full attention but when you are out of it to learn to detach that it is over now it's a different time altogether when i have to spend time in contemplating the divine presence so she says that as soon as the material responsibility is over what happens to our thoughts they rush towards the divine they were waiting because now they were all focused here is somebody who is waiting let me finish my work so that i can find time to contemplate about somebody who i deeply love but this does not mean hurrying through the work that's not how it has to be understood but to take out time find time for that and i am solely and entirely occupied with thee and thy service now this is interesting that material responsibilities basic framework of life that's why one of the things that should be in the points out even in essays on the gita there is a very cryptic um, shloka where shri krishna says even the lady tied with a thousand bonds uses this word shobindo qualifies it because she is heavily preoccupied with the framework of maintaining outer life and that's why this system should go several times i speak about it and mother has said why should women cook for men are they slaves precisely because of this of course now men become slaves that's a different thing either way preoccupation with food all the time food outer framework of life then where do you have really time for doing the divine service divine service not just outer work but inner work when you look into your elements you shift the elements purify them so there is a there is a need for that that's the reason why uh, mother says that when i was um, i mean young i met many people who said we want to practice spirituality and union with the divine all this is fine but we don't have time for it so she said uh, maybe uh, i can understand so she says when i reached an age which is normally regarded as the middle of one's average life span i had the opportunity to make sure that the framework is taken care of so you have food provided <laughs> you have outer framework somebody who takes care of your outer life and you have also facility for sports everything is there now you spend time in finding the divine <laughs> she says but my experience has been the opposite and then she says that i am waiting to be proved wrong i am waiting to be proved wrong so she is saying it is not because human beings don't have time it is because human beings love to be preoccupied with material things the interest they take in all these outer things so she is saying that whenever i get a time uh, i i just do what i have to do and then my mind my thoughts are rushing toward thee and thy service then in that perfect peace and serenity so peace comes from that i unite my will to thine 
and in that integral silence i listen to thy truth and hear its expression so these are moments when we contemplate go within offer our will to the divine offer our thoughts to the divine offer our feelings to the divine we have to look at them in their entire panorama everything that has come inside us and we offer to the divine and pray and aspire that may all these be in union with thee may i will what you want me to will may i think what you want me to think may i feel what you want me to feel may i do what you want me to do now this is different from saying show me the way and i will walk this is saying that let there be such a union that nothing else should occur to me except what you will obviously it's a long sadhana but this is the path where we look at the different elements of nature and offer to the divine and thereby we prepare ourselves for the service we feel the truth which is trying to express itself in countless ways and then we are equipped to manifest it i remember this uh, very interesting episode of mr rk talwar he was rbi governor during the time of then prime minister and uh, the ministry wanted him to do something which he felt is irregular so he refused so there was pressure from everyone including the then prime minister he said no if you want you do it you can over bypass me why you want me to ratify it you have a right to bypass me so then they said in that case why don't you give your resignation things went to that extent so he gave his resignation and the resignation was approved same morning he has given it was approved evening he had packed up and gone on what is called in the government as paid leave till you are finally discharged with due honors so his friends were feeling very bad and they asked him that why this uh, you know uh, we are sad he said no 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 it is very good what has happened see now i have the time i have been thinking about it how i can serve the divine now i have the time to do it so he used to consult inside and take decisions he has said that how he used to take decisions he would stay quiet look inside and then take a decision so when he came to the ashram he lived here so you usual thing oh, a big man has come and you know you become an ashramite and uh, do this do that he said no i have he looked inside and he said you know what uh, I, you will send me to dining room or somewhere which anybody can do but let me do and serve her the way the mother has prepared me for so what he did was he started a consultancy service and he used to get money which completely used to offer to the ashram because he was living with his pension even that was much more and he would offer huge amount of money just he said i'll take care of this part because mother has equipped me for this and this is my seva and service now you need a tremendous inner preparedness to do that otherwise the usual tendency is to get into a certain framework we are not comfortable unless you know we are in a certain framework and it it may be needed at for for many of us it's okay but what the divine wants to have that kind of inner courage and follow that road even if it it's not something which you know the the society or the institution or people around really understand or approve to go by that so she is contemplating looking inside and therefore she wants that truth to express in life you see always even when uh, mother was asked to come to auroville what is the reason she gave for not going one single reason 
ashram is here the samadhi is here especially the samadhi is here nothing else rest of the things she could just leave and go next moment this kind of inner freedom it is by becoming conscious of thy will and identifying ours with thine that there is found the secret of true liberty and all puja what can really uh, stop the divine will so it's very simple if it is human will it doesn't matter it's always a mixed up human will is mixed with many things especially desires and all these things but when it it's the divine will expressing through a human then what is the limit of that omnipotence you know that is the secret of the bhagavad gita is there wherever there is arjuna wherever there is shri krishna there there is victory so the secret of all puja is in uniting our will with the divine will and she also used the word there is freedom there is only one freedom which is possible now this where she urbindo describes beautifully when he talks about sanatan dharma and he says there are different fundamental truths and our life has to be based on that, that truth so one truth is that the divine is the bedrock of all reality this then there is the other truth of the many so each is a divine in becoming through the process of nature so this is the truth of individual now comes a tricky part now individual has the freedom to lead his life based on this background truth fundamental truth that there is the divine and his life has to eventually be an expression of the divine within him but if he leads his life thinking i am independent of the divine now this is untrue this is false because it doesn't exist if you think it is freedom there is no such freedom because if you see logically how can there be anything in creation which is cut off from the source everything has emerged from the one so the source is within whatever be the source to start with now if the source is there within everything and any element thinks it can cut off from the source and lead a completely independent life by common sense and logic it is an impossibility so we have the freedom but on this basis so we have different kinds of expression which is perfectly fine and valid that is dharma see it's a very subtle thing but the moment we say no i have my freedom i am separate people talk about divine that is something else and my life i lead my own way you land up into adharma just very small small little thing so she is saying true liberty and all puja comes by identifying our will with the divine will this is the only freedom possible to man the secret of the regeneration of forces and the transfiguration of the being so all force all strength all power rushes from there so then however much we may work we are always regenerated now this is the whole secret but when we are not in tune with that there is a tendency to get tired because why we get tired when we think oh i have to do so much work ever thought about it i had to do so much work today and the moment you think like that already you are entering the tired mode my work people get stressed because of that but the moment you take it its mother's work she is doing very nice uh, poem by dujendra lal roy sung by his grandchild dilip kumar roy and translated by shorbindo so it's a very powerful poem tomar karmo tumi karoma loki bole kori ami yours is the action work you are doing it 
people say that it is i who am the doer now when you live with that consciousness everything is wonderful that's why at one place mother says my child who is at my service has no business to fall ill can we imagine it may sound even how can you know he has no business my children who are in my service have no business to fall ill why because constantly she is giving that force regeneration transfiguration it will all come from there to be constantly and integrally at one with thee is to have the assurance that we shall overcome every obstacle and triumph over all difficulties both within and without not only inside but also outside so again we have this secret one after another so what is the secret of uh, you know when we meet a difficulty so what happens to us we get locked up with the difficulty obstacle oh my god such a big problem within my nature outside circumstances situation the more we focus on difficulty we become totally hypnotized so what is the secret secret is instead of focusing on the difficulty focus on the divine will and the divine presence to unite with the divine simply to ask what you want me to do what you want me to be and then we will see that all difficulties within and outside will slowly dissolve and melt away so instead of concentrating on the difficulty and being hypnotized by it at one point mother said somebody asked about difficulties you know that we were talking about rejection <laughs> so it's take it as an extension of that mother says you know my child why you are, you take long to overcome your difficulties because you don't have faith what mother you don't have faith in the grace and then she says instead of being hypnotized by your little difficulties or big difficulties if you have faith in the grace you know there was a very uh, interesting anecdote from one of the sadhaks i heard uh, he said that he heard someone else another very close to mother in one of his talks he mentioned and i loved it uh, you know people focus on oh you have to do your effort this is all right our effort everything is fine but you have to rely on the grace people hardly mention grace so he said well if you think your nature is full of difficulties he tells the divine you are the supreme power supreme physician if i am the nuttiest case in the world you are the best physician where else will i go and if i am not the worst case scenario then there is no problem you must have dealt with <laughs> worst cases than me now look at the confidence in the grace it is with the confidence in the grace that one does the effort but many people dissociate there are even people who say unless you do personal effort there will not be grace to so grace is unconditional personal effort helps the movement of grace it facilitates that's all that is required it's not that god waits for us to put an effort if we don't put an effort you know people quote from here and there aphorism and you know what it means is when we put our personal effort and trust the grace then it facilitates the action of the grace it's not either or so here she is saying that if we learn to lean towards that side then there is a complete assurance that all difficulties within and outside will be conquered then there is a third secret which he is revealing to us o lord lord a boundless joy fills my heart songs of gladness surge through my head in marvelous waves 
and in the full confidence of thy certain triumph, I find a sovereign peace. So when there is a fight going on, people take sides, this side, that side. What should be our attitude? May you triumph, your will triumph, it doesn't matter. In whatever circumstances, situation, may it be thou who art the victor. Then what is the problem? We will be at peace. We are playing our role. Look at Bhishma, it is so interesting. Someone asked Bhishma that, do you think that just because you are this side, you will triumph? He said, no, I have not an out of doubt that that side is going to win. Sure, yes, Krishna is on that side, truth is on that side. I have no doubt that that is going to win. What about you? I am just fulfilling my sadharma. I have promised to the throne and I am tied to the throne. I know that hundred Bhishmas cannot beat unarmed Krishna on that side. This is called wisdom. Where you play your role. You are not asking or praying. He had such a beautiful access to Sri Krishna. One of the five persons who could recognize the divinity of Krishna. When he goes in Duryodhana, Shabha and Sri Krishna shows his Virat Rup, there are few people who could recognize that he is the Lord himself. One of them was Karna, another was Bhishma, Vidura. They could see and, you know, Vidura and they could know that here is. Others just got blinded by that power, intensity. And yet they chose to be on that side because they knew. They knew also that, you know, truth is there and that's going to win. Now it's not that that's a good way to live. But the point is that to pray for the Lord's victory. How does it matter whether individually we win or not? I find a sovereign peace and an invincible power in this surrender and confidence. Thou fillest my being, thou animatest it, thou settest in motion its hidden springs. When we have this attitude of perfect confidence, trust, surrender, alignment to the divine will, then everything the divine takes care. A point comes when whatever we do, speak, feel, think, it is the divine who does it in us. Thou illuminest its understanding. Thou intensifiest its life. See, what an interesting thing. The divine gives an intensity to life. People think that, you know, when you turn to divine, you will become cold as a turkey, indifferent fellow. You are touching the source of power. Imagine, your joy will become thousand times more. Such an intense, the love will become oceanic, thousand times more. Everything will become tenfold, hundredfold. Because that is the source. There is something Shobindu describes in several places. Thou increasest tenfold its love. And I no longer know whether the universe is I or I the universe. Because you are carried to your boundless, carried into the boundless infinity. So there is such an expansion just by uniting with the divine. Whether thou art in me or I in thee, thou alone art and all is thou and the streams of thy infinite grace fill and overflow the world. So there comes a time when you see nothing else but grace. All difficulties, problems with which we are preoccupied and the mother would often remind people. That's why when we read and hear mother's uh, one statement, 
we have to see everything that she has said she says literally at one point so my children instead of being hypnotized by your little lord big difficulties if you could turn towards the grace and seek it and know that with the grace nothing is impossible all who have crossed have crossed this way thy infinite grace fill and overflow the world sing o lands sing o peoples sing o men the divine harmony is there and this divine harmony means peace joy love power all of them together in a concord normally when we want divine peace we shun activity power everything now here or if we want power and activity we keep up a peace here we see divine peace freedom power all puja love joy everything is come together illumination wisdom and that is what is the divine harmony all these powers are manifesting in a single individual in their perfection just the right measure this is the meaning of the word perfection and uh, that becomes so wonderful so we'll read this prayer and stop here may 11th 1913 as soon as i have no longer any material responsibilities all thoughts about these things flee far away from me and i am solely and entirely occupied with thee and thy service we must take out time for this every day two three times a day 20 minutes a day this is good enough to just you know take out time if we can take out more wonderful in that perfect peace and serenity i unite my will to thine no more my preferences but what you want and in that integral silence i listen to thy truth and hear its expression what is it that the divine wants in me and through me it is by becoming conscious of thy will and identifying ours with thine that there is found the secret of true liberty and all puja the secret of the regeneration of forces and the transfiguration of the being because constantly we are receiving constantly from above so we cannot get exhausted by giving because we are constantly receiving there are some people who are misers they just want to hold back everything for themselves they don't realize that they stop receiving after a while but if you are receiving from there it's like you know we have this battery should be charged and discharged if you don't discharge after a while when you put the charger again nothing it is reading 100% charged so allow the battery to be discharged but in the right way into the world in countless ways every aspect of our life every power force that moves us must multiply itself in countless bodies to be constantly and integrally at one with thee is to have the assurance that we will that we shall overcome every obstacle and triumph over all difficulties both within and without o lord lord a boundless joy fills my heart songs of gladness surge through my head in marvelous waves and in the full confidence of thy certain triumph i find a sovereign peace and an invincible power so this is the secret of being happy and of freedom offer to the divine and be free inside do your work we have to do what we have to do 
But responsibility is the bigger headache which we should pass on. I have done my bit. Now it is your. This is our bit. And if you see the Gita, that's what it says. You do your work. There is something we have to do. With our hands, feet, eyes, mouth, everything that has been years given to us, we do that bit. But what will be the result? What will happen? That we leave it to the divine. And when we do it as a service, offering our will to the divine will, she says the divine will will certainly triumph. But she reminds us at one place, do not think that this means that ultimately divine will triumph means your will. Don't conceal it like this. Some people say that, I know mother will win. But what they are meaning in a court case, I will win. Or in my fight with another person whom I don't like, I am the one who will win. Divine will will triumph. Be sure. And that is the supreme good. Actually, we don't realize. We think in very short terms. We think this is good. What do we know? What is supreme good? The divine wants to take us through a certain path, whatever it may look like. Even if it be a Kurushetra. See, it is the same thing. This was the day when Satyavan must die. Now, Savitri doesn't make it easy for Satyavan like that. That, okay, Satyavan, now I have come, I will cancel it. Satyavan still dies. That is his part. But he dies in a state of surrender. Now it is the Divine Mother's part. Or take Arjuna. The Divine doesn't do any magic that way. That, okay, now you don't have to fight. Suddenly, Korvas change their mind and they just come and offer the kingdom. No. There is something Arjuna has to do and he must be led through the Kurushetra. But we know for sure that ultimately that will will prevail and that is what we should always aspire for. Thou fillest my being, thou animatest it, thou settest in motion its hidden springs, thou illuminest its understanding, thou intensifiest its life, thou increasest tenfold its love, and I no longer know whether the universe is I or I the universe. So this is the next level, individual to the universe. And then she takes it to the third level, the transcendent. Whether thou art in me or I in thee. Thou alone art and all is thou. Now see all the individual realization, freedom, power, everything. Then the second level is universal by constantly offering uh, ourselves we become boundless. The third, the transcendent, where the divine is in you, you are in the divine and all is the divine. The entire Upanishad. People don't realize how beautiful this is. He is not only telling us that Yashmin, Sarvani, Bhutani, people give nice big lectures on this sloka. How to practice it? She is showing us the way. That if you go step by step, offering our will to the divine, offering our work to the divine, finding time not to be over preoccupied without a life, find time to sit quietly, contemplate. And if we do that, we will slowly arrive at individual freedom. And by offering to the divine, we'll expand. Everything in us will arrive at, you know, uh, its limitlessness, limitless expansion, the universal. And then quite naturally, we'll begin to see ourselves, the in us, and us in you and everything is nothing else but the expression of thee. But it doesn't stop here. That's the beauty. And the streams of the infinite grace fill and overflow the world. Then if you ask somebody that, you know, when man is completely blind, 
you ask grace i don't believe in grace i don't see grace i only see suffering cruelty pain but if a person is in that state he'll say all is the expression of grace as he's actually seeing how grace is carrying everybody through even what seems like uh, you know difficulty and challenges of life but even here it doesn't stop now after this uh, you know realization that you are in the divine the divine is in all and all is the expression of the divine you have to discover the divine harmony the perfection so she's taking us towards that sing o lands sing o peoples sing o men now she is no more talking about her own being she has become universal she is asking everybody to sing what is she saying asking everybody to sing the divine harmony is there that this is something which is realizable i have realized it within me you too can realize it and the path is very simple and it's actually as simple as forget oneself and just think of the divine as simple as that namaste